Will you pray with me? God, for all the creaks and the noises, we are grateful. For the wind in this room, for your spirit, we are thankful. God, speak to us today. In your name we pray. Amen. Friends, today is a day of celebration in our church. Uh, today is called the Day of Pentecost. It is the official birthday of the church. Uh, today, uh, many years ago, several years ago, people were gathered in Jerusalem uh, on the day, on the feast of the Day of Pentecost. And Peter stood up there and he declared the good news of Jesus. He stood there and retold the life of Jesus as it is meant to be. And all that Jesus did. And all of a sudden, people who heard this story about Jesus, they started saying yes to Jesus. And this, the reason they were able to say yes to Jesus is because Peter was standing there and declaring the good news. Peter, who was timid, who was scared, who was afraid in the garden now full of the Holy Spirit, is able to declare the good news of Jesus to the diaspora that was there, meaning diaspora, meaning the displaced people. Displaced people find hope when they hear the story of Jesus. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. So today in the life of our church, uh, in the life of Mount Hope United Methodist Church, uh, our young people are saying yes to Jesus uh, these young people are saying yes to Jesus before this community of, of faith, and they want to say yes to this church. This is their first adult decision in saying yes to Jesus and this church. Over the past several weeks, our confirmants uh, have kind of gone through a series about learning about our faith. They have learned about the United Methodist doctrines, what it means to be United Methodist. They learned um, about the stories of the Apostles' Creed. Uh, and we're going to be reciting the Apostles' Creeds in a little bit here and sharing that with us together. During Holy Week, they all sat together and they had the Seder meal. They tried to understand what Holy Communion has to do with the Seder meal. I heard the matzah bread was really dry. It's supposed to be. And the bitters of the Seder meal were really bitter. So, yes. So, those are the two things that I've learned from that meal. Uh, they learned the significance of the holy sacraments. Uh, in the United Methodist Church, we say there are two sacraments where God's grace is given to us, and it's a mystery. That is through the waters of baptism and through holy communion. They learned about what that means. They've learned that this is God's grace imparted to us through God's mighty acts of salvation, and all this is given without a price. All this is lovely. But what does it mean for us tomorrow? What does it mean for you the day after tomorrow? What does it mean for us? The two scriptures that were lifted up to us today, one comes from uh, Deuteronomy and the other comes from the Gospel of Matthew. The Deuteronomist, it's a fancy word of saying, the guy who wrote the book of Deuteronomy uh, spoke these words um, to the people of Israel. The people of Israel almost traveled for over 40 years, escaping slavery and journeying through the wilderness. And they're about to get onto the promised land. They're about to enter something beautiful. And the Deuteronomist says these words to them. See, when you think about those who are about to 
enter into this new promised land, when you think about who these people are, when you pause and when you try to put faces to them, you'll quickly realize that these are not the ones who actually lived in Egypt. These are not the ones who actually left and walked through the dry Red Sea in order to escape Pharaoh and his chariots. This was a new generation. This was a new generation that is about to take on the promised land. But this new generation, they heard the stories. They heard the stories that God heard the cries of the oppressed. That God heard the cries of those people living in slavery and God delivered them. They heard about the Passover meal. They heard about the angel of death that passed over the doorpost when the blood of the lamb was seen on those doorposts. It's only when you start reading through the lenses of the New Testament that you really start to see the foreshadowing of what was yet to come. So these people, these individuals who are about to enter this new promise, this new hope, this is what they hear. This is what we read in verse 4 of Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, your Lord, your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be in your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk to them when you sit at home, when you walk through the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your house and your gates. Confirmants, young people, everyone who is willing to listen, we are called to wear these commands on our hands and bind them on our foreheads. Write them on your door frames in your houses is what we are told to do. Our Jewish brothers and sisters kind of take this passage a little literally, and they've created what is called a teflon. A teflon is a simple, a little piece of box that is given, that is taken, and a piece of scripture is usually put in that teflon. And it's usually this scripture that I just read. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. That's it. That teflon, that scripture is placed in that. And then they tie it over their heads. Just imagine this. What would happen? What would happen if we put the same scriptures in a box and tied it on your forehead and you showed up to school tomorrow? Right? Like, what would that look like? <laughs> right? What would that look like? Right? And then here's my challenge for all of us. <laughs> Here's my challenge for all of us, right? I think one of two things is going to happen. The first thing is somebody's going to literally walk up to you and say, you look weird, right? Sid, is somebody's going to say that, right? Like, what the heck is that? What's on your forehead, right? Right? That's the first thing that's going to happen. The second thing that might happen is somebody's going to give you that look. That look of like, I'm not looking at you, but I'm kind of looking at you. Do you know what I'm talking about? And then they'll go behind your back and talk bad about you right? So those are the two things that are going to happen. But what if, what if, like, you know, take this challenge, do it, and see how people treat you, all five of you, and then we can discuss the results, if I was right or not, right? Right? While you're thinking about this image in your head about 
wearing the Teflon on your head and going to school. As you're thinking about that, I want to talk about verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. The Lord your God, love your Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words is a call to action. This is called the Shema. Hear, hear, O Israel. Devout Jews pray this prayer twice every day. They say, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. This prayer is so simple and yet filled with such insight and power. We are told the God who delivered us is only, there is only one God and there is no one beside him. And we are called to love him with all our heart, strength, and soul. Going back to those who are hearing this for the first time. They were about to enter a new land. They were about to enter a land that was flowing with milk and honey. They were about to enter a land where they knew that there were other gods who were there. They knew that there were other things that might be tempting or alluring to call them away from stopping to love God. They knew that they were there. But this generation that was about to enter, they were told by their parents and their grandparents about the God who listens to the cry of the oppressed, about the God who provided for them in little ways and big ways, about the God who showed up for them when they prayed, about the God who rescued them. And you and I are called to love this God, the God who gave his only son so that we can have eternal life this day. This is the God we're called to love. Hear, O Mount Hope, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your soul and all your strength. Hear, O confirmance, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your strength. What does it mean for us to love God with all our heart and our soul? To love God is a call to action. It means the desires of our heart reflect the knowledge of God. It means what we do with our hands reflect the God who rescued us. It means what we say and how we speak reflect the goodness of God. It means every aspect of our lives needs to live and reflect the love of God. The Shema this morning calls us to action. Friends, I don't want to be naive and say that this is easy for us to do. There will be a lot of temptations that we are going to face along the way. Just read the book of Joshua and Judges and you will see the people of Israel who struggle to live out the Shema this prayer that is being read over and over again. At times they fell apart, but they did return and find God back. And when they did, they were great many blessings. So I want to challenge each one of us today. Let's not use the temptations that surround us 
as an excuse. But let us love God with all our heart, mind, and soul. And I want to assure you that God will keep you and bless you. God will care for you and provide for you beyond your wildest imagination if you live out the Shema each day. From the gospel reading this morning, we read another thing. There was a guy who wanted to trick Jesus. He tried to trick Jesus because he heard that Jesus was good at debating things. So he posed a rather loaded question. Which is the greatest commandment, Jesus, he asked. To which Jesus replied, what we've been discussing so far, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And he added something. And he said, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. When Jesus said that, it was like a mic drop. There was no conversation back. The guy didn't want to say anything back to him because he didn't quite know what to say. And if you read Matthew 22 in its context, Jesus actually like pretty much moves on to another topic, right? Boom, mic drop, end of story. But I want to move a little bit further before what Jesus said to verse 34. This is what we read, right? Matthew 22, verse 34. This is what we read. But when the Pharisees heard that he silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. So verse 34 is a setup as to what is happening. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus silenced a Sadducee, right? Right away we are told that there are people are being grouped into categories. Here you have the Sadducees, here you have the Pharisees. And each group did not like each other. The reason they didn't like each other is because they viewed the world completely differently. One thought it was better to be friends with Herod and those in power, and the other thought that they should read the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament more carefully. One believed in the resurrection and the others didn't. And if you're asking me, how do I know who's what? I want to let you know on a little secret. Sadducees are sad people. That's the reason they don't believe in the resurrection. And you all laugh. I'll be here next week. <laughs> Not same time, though. We have two services. <laughs> all right. Right? <clears throat> that there was differences, right? There were dis differences. Like people were being categorized into groups. Right? There were the Pharisees. There were the Sadducees. And there were so many different groups uh, that were there. And all was based on a belief system that they held dearly. But look what Jesus says to these people. Look how Jesus responds to the Pharisee. He does not say this. Love God, and if you're a Pharisee, love Pharisees. If you're a Sadducee, love another Sadducee. No, Jesus strips away of all these labels and just simply says, love your neighbor. Friends, our world is filled with people who are continuing to label themselves for whatever reason. But Jesus is challenging us today to love our neighbor as ourselves. This is not an easy task to see someone else who is different from us, who wears a different label, and to love them as ourselves. But that is the essence of the gospel. That is what the gospel is calling us to do. If we can do this, if you all can do this,
countermands. If you can love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself, let me tell you, there is no need for you to wear the tufflin on your head. Everyone is going to look at you, and they're going to see a difference. They are going to see that you are different because you love God and you love your neighbor. Let us pray. God, thank you for your word this day. Thank you for challenging us to live out the essence of the gospel message. To love you with all our heart, mind, and soul and to love our neighbor as ourselves. God, we pray that you would give us strength this day to live out these commands. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.